I'm Kathy Beer and today's podcast topic is how to choose the best boarding kennel for your dog. It's only weeks away until the long summer holiday period starts and time is running out for you to book a boarding kennel. On the line with me now is Louise Newman, the founder of Let's Go Fido, a dog training business in Sydney. Lou knows all about dogs. She is a qualified professional trainer with a certificate four in companion animal services as a Delta accredited instructor. She's also a pet dog ambassador, instructor and, and assessor, and has many years of experience in training pet dogs, large and small. Welcome, Lou, to the Pets for Life podcast. Welcome, Kathy. How are you today? I'm very well. And yourself? Good. I'm all good. Now, you wanted to ask me some lovely questions about kennels, I believe. Yes. So what would you be your first step to choosing a boarding kennel? Um, I think the big one would be for me... Uh, I generally say if the puppy is over six months, I might send them to a kennel or younger than 10, I probably, I might send them to a kennel. Um, either end, I sort of feel sometimes their, their needs might be, um, might be better suited to having somebody come to the home. My first one when I choose a kennel really is I go and visit it. I really would encourage everybody to go and visit the kennel. Right. Yep, that's, um, and it, sometimes they're far away. And so what I generally suggest when I'm looking for some a kennel and it's a reasonable distance away and I can't get down there, I will phone them and ask if I can FaceTime and, and they can take me on a quick tour. Um, and, and that has worked well for me. And the question you ask, what am I looking for? Why am I going? And what am I trying to see um, when I'm, I'm on FaceTime? I, I'm listening very often. I, I do expect there to be some noise and I do expect the dogs to be excited when handlers are going in um, to see the dogs and take them out for exercise. But I'm not expecting, you know, a, a chorus of huge noise of barking constantly, like wherever we go, I'm not expecting to hear barking. That's probably the first thing that I'm looking for um, because I think that would be really quite stressful to be in that environment for a week or two weeks or three weeks, depending on how how big the owner's trips were. Yeah, what, what else would be on your checklist that you'd be looking for? Um, so once, I, one, one, okay, once I've looked at noise, and the next thing I'd have a look at is, is what they offer. So one of the things I'd be looking for is that my dog can have some one-on-one time. Um, you know, most of our dogs are just used to our family lives, and they're used to going to the park and hanging out with individuals and unfamiliar dogs and unfamiliar people. Um, but they're also used to an awful lot of one, one-on-one time. So I'd be looking to see how much they get of that or can I organize that for my dog as well as a playtime. Right. I'd be looking to see how many members of staff are in the playtime. So normally playtime is about there's a yard, a fenced-in area where they have a group of dogs together. And the rule, the rule in the local council areas is one, one handler to four dogs. So I would be thinking that if you've got four dogs that don't know each other, I'd really like to be thinking that there was, you know, at least one handler to four dogs. Um, and if there's more than four dogs, then definitely two handlers. Because having a group of dogs who haven't met each other before and they're just in quite an artificial environment, some are going to be, you know, a little bit worked up. And if something was to go off, you're going to need two people to separate the dogs. So absolutely two members of staff once you get past four dogs, or even if you, you know, two members of staff in the yard at all times would be great. Um, and I think some kennels will say small dogs, large dogs. I don't know how I feel about that. I sort of feel that most dogs can mix across different age groups. 
and sizes. Um, and sizes. So I, I'm not sure. I, I think I would talk to the kennels about that, and it depends on the time of year. Like at, at Christmas time, it's very busy, and then they might go, look, we're going to put reasonably young, enthusiastic dogs together, irrespective of size, or no, we're going to put young, enthusiastic dogs up to 10 kilos into one yard and over 10 kilos in another yard. So I definitely, again, you know, asking those questions about what my dog can get, what, you know, what options there are for my dog socially, one-on-one time, group time, how that's organized, how, mem- how many members of staff is really important. Um, and, and another question I might ask is about t- what they get given when they're back in their runs. So if my dog goes back into their run, um, you know, is it just, I mean, I'm pretty excited when I come back from the gym or I've been out with friends and it's really quite nice to have that transition. It'd be really great if they had enrichment toys for them, you know, to roll around and find food and, you know, keep that, that level of, of, you know, naturally good hormones running in your dog that they're enjoying um, rather than I'm in. I'm in my run and I miss my buddies I just played with and I miss people. Um, it'd be really nice to have that transition that they go in with enrichment toys. And again, ask that. Most good kennels will offer that as a standard. Mm-hmm. Some will ask you to pay extra and that's fine. Just knowing that your dog can have that is really important. And what about food? What about ensuring good quality food? Or yep, um, most of most um, no, most of the kennels will will do dry food, um, and there will be an option where so some of them have a senior package, and that senior package can have different foods. Some of them will have an option where you can supply the food if you know your dog is a fussy eater. They'll supply the food, and obviously if you've got dietary requirements such that you know you've got allergies to food, or you, you know you've got medical issues with your food content, then absolutely they'll allow you to bring that. Very often. You have to pay a small fee just for the fact that member of staff has to has to go and do something different. But normally that's very much catered for. Um, but for ease, I think for health, when they're feeding, you know, some of them are feeding 40 to 100 dogs, it normally is dry kibble. Okay, so um, again, ask about that. Yeah. Okay, and what, um, are there any sort of warning signs that to avoid a boarding kennel? Anything that dog owners should watch out for? There's a, there's a couple of things that I watch out. Noise is the really big one. So um, when I went to choose kennels for our dogs, um, I went up to visit and I was really looking at the noise noise level because it, it, I think that would be very stressful. Um, the A lot of the new purpose-built kennels have the runs facing out. So the yards are in the middle and the runs are facing out. So the dog's constantly just looking out into beautiful space. Um, and that's really important. So that's noise is the first one. The second one is um, options. So you're looking at the fact that if you say your dog is not particularly great around other dogs and they're going to go to the kennel and they're going to have one-on-one time, you're looking for the kennel to offer that they will screen the run so that your dog can be in his run and know there's a dog next door but not have to look at them all the time, Mm -hmm. and most kennels will offer that. The other one is um, it's really important for me that you look at a kennel that doesn't do it. It's a, it's a, they call it double stacking in the business where your dog is guaranteed to have their run to themselves. 
And that's really important to me that your dog has that area of peace and quiet because in your home, they're used to having a lot of downtime and they know their routine. They're very comforted with your routine. So just because the kennels are busy and they it's their peak time doesn't mean that they should put another dog in your run for them to make profit. Your dog should be allowed to have that run to themselves because you paid for it. And you mean the the kennel. So very, very, when I say the run, very often the kennels have a an area where the dogs are at night, which normally has two doors. It has a door to the outside mm-hmm. where the kennel handle come in and a door to the grassy area, which is their run. So at night time, they're all enclosed and safe. And that generally keeps them cool, cool in the summer and warm in the winter. And then in the daytime, they will come out of that little house and they'll go into their run so that they can clean the house. Right. And then they'll and then then they'll have free range of both areas to do as they like, and then they'll have options to go out on walks or options to go into the yard to play with other dogs. Right. So that's what I mean by that. Okay. Um, one of the questions you asked me is well, things to look forward to. I'm not a big fan of kennels that offer training, um, and that sounds silly. You know, it seems like an ideal situation that you're on holiday and somebody else can train your dog. And the reason I say that. Is my cat? Well, the reason I personally say that is that uh, effective training should be done between the owner and the dog. So if somebody else is training your dog, they're going to have a great relationship with your dog, and then you need to have you know two or three sessions afterwards to transition that. So if that's not offered, that would be a heads up to me that that it's not going to be in best interest for you and your dog. The other one is whoever is offering that training, you need to make sure that they are a positive reinforcement trainer. Your dog is already in a state of stress. And then having somebody who's using um, harsher methods, and I would advocate when your dog is already feeling stressed, is not, I, I don't think would be beneficial to your dog's stability. Um, it's, it's, you know, that I would say that if the person offering the training is not um, a Delta accredited, a cert for, um, hasn't got, you're not looking at them having affiliations to, to institutions that um, you ha- are held accountable for not using a force on your dogs, mm. um, then I, w- I wouldn't be going with that training organization. E- however good that kennel is, I'd go to that kennel, but I would not take up that training right. package. Yeah, no, good point. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say some of the par- kennels now are from water parks. And I would really look at that as an option because a lot of the kennels are in Australia are out of town. And in the summer coming that we're giving up summer, it's extremely hot. So please do look at the option for your dog to get wet and cool. Yeah. So some will have dam, you know, dam swims. Some will have, you know, walking down a stream. Some will have a water park per se. Some will have paddling pools in the yard but do ask them about hot days and if you've got a dog that isn't very good with storms because it, we're going into the, that summer season now where we do have a lot of storms asking again what the you know what the protocol is in a storm um i think would be really important too thanks lou for taking time out of your busy schedule to share those great no. tips uh look absolute sure. pleasure kathy yeah. Yeah. I'm sure pet owners will have peace of mind knowing their pooch will be happy and well looked after in a good kennel while they're on holidays. I hope you can join the Pets for Life podcast again soon. I would love to. Thanks, Cathy.